Welcome to Refirement Life, the podcast for anyone navigating life transitions or planning to make life transitions to ensure your next years are your best years. Listen in for insightful, generous, and sometimes humorous conversation. It's time to get fired up with Christine Zamuda and Muge Wood, your hosts for this latest episode of Refirement Life. Hey everyone, this is uh, Muge Wood, uh, along with my awesome co-host Christine Zamuda. Uh, today we are delighted to bring you a very special guest yet again, uh, and this will be my awesome husband of 30 years, Brad Wood. Um, he's actually on this podcast for a very specific reason, besides being my awesome partner. Um, he is elected to retire maybe a little earlier than the norm from corporate America, so we are going to talk about that. Um, and uh, we are going to talk about how he's getting refired up these days uh, with his focus on a brand new nonprofit called UTMA All Stars uh, that's focused on digi- uh, financial literacy for disadvantaged youth alongside with some matching funds to set them up for uh, success as they embark on life. So we are going to go uh, deep into that. Um, before we do so, as we normally do, Let's talk about our reflections since our last uh, podcast. Uh, Christine, what's happening on your side? Sure, sure. Well, you know, we're always um, looking for great examples of living longer and better. And I came across, I was listening to a podcast and there was a, or there is a woman, Vivian Levy. She's 104 and she swims every single day. So she swims competitively. She's finding it's a a way to make great social connections, keeps her uh, body healthy. And uh, it just is just another example of um, living longer and better. Uh, I just thought it was kind of amazing that, you know, here she is, rain, shine, snow. She lives in Brooklyn Heights. She jumps in the pool every, every single day, no fail. And keep swimming. That, that's that's amazing. Uh, it reminds me of uh, Finding Nemo. Keep swimming, and <laughs> exactly. no matter what happens, keep swimming. And if it is cold swimming, maybe even better. Remember the cold water plunge that's discussion right. we had. That's that's, right. uh, that's incredible. I, I mean, there's so much to learn from yeah. uh, super agers, um, and they do have some secrets. Yeah, um, she, that she we had can a funny learn quote from. too. She had a really funny quote. They said, "Well, why do you swim so much?" And she and she said, uh, "I swim because it it takes the nonsense out of my head." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say uh, uh, get the monkeys in the head a little under control because there are lots of them uh, at that's times. Right. That's that's, right. that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, on my side, um, I had an awesome opportunity to share our refinement endeavor and our insights during a leadership summit uh, hosted by uh, Institute of Electrical Electronics Engineers in Detroit last week. And uh, uh, it was an awesome conversation. And uh, what it led to is um, it just continuous reflection that it's never too late um, for us to live our most joyful and meaningful lives. The audience was awesome. They shared examples of how um, they are starting their businesses um, that they always wanted to do. Um, they joined the nonprofit boards and um, they are contributing to the community and finding a lot of meaning and purpose um, in their lives past. Uh, what may have been considered um, the path to take in a structured uh, career path. So it was uh, it was really awesome, and um, 
it's very possible that we will have gained some new guests as a result of that, as well as new subscribers. So, um, so that was that was awesome. The only downside, Christine, is I needed you with me. Uh, it is uh, <laughs> difficult to uh, you know duplicate your energy just by myself. But you know, uh, I had your picture with me on the slide, so that was good <laughs> encouragement. Oh, that's great to hear. Well, thank you for doing that. Thank you for sharing the story. And obviously, um, meeting some new people, we always welcome new guests and and listeners as a result. So I certainly appreciate that. The, the other thing to mention uh, that I thought is interesting, and you know how some things start to get in your algorithm as you're you know, going through social media, something that keeps popping up for me now is uh, that there are many European countries that are offering what they're calling a retirement residency. So Italy is one, Ireland is one, um, and I know that there are several others. And I thought this could be interesting for some of our guests just to learn a little bit more about them. Um, essentially what they are is you uh, have to demonstrate that you have financial means and the financial means is not like a huge amount. So they're really targeting people with uh, a pension, 401k, uh, anything from like, you know, you could establish the fact that you have 50000 to to $100,000 a year to be able to spend. And uh, you apply, in most cases, they're giving you a one-year residency to start, and it can be extended to five years, it could be extended to a lifetime. So I just found that that was super interesting. There are some nuances between, you know, what you could get in their healthcare plan versus, uh, you know, what what we might have here. But it's it's worth looking into for anyone who wants to do that in on a short term basis or even a longer term basis. Yeah, that's very interesting. That could be the uh, uh, gap year concept uh, at a different time in life. Uh, it sounds uh, very interesting. Let's include that. Uh, in a future episode, and better yet, we may need to go sign up for it just to see. <laughs> yes. um, you know, Is that okay, on. Brad? <laughs> yeah, it, it has to be experiential. Um, you know, experiential learning. Um, so, thank you for that. Now, let's uh, turn our attention to our guest. Um, so, uh, dear Brad, um, please uh, introduce yourself, your background, um, your current status, post-retirement. How are things? All right. So, so my name's Brad Wood. So I uh, grew up in New Jersey in the 70s, and I was the youngest of uh, four children. My father was a civil engineer. And uh, as I was growing up, I wanted to be a civil engineer. Um, and uh, But I wanted to do work in the offshore area. I just, I saw James Cameron's The, Ab the Abyss, mm -hmm. and just the, the idea of living under ocean and, and the complexities of being able to do that and when you think about it, you know, a lot of the turmoil around the world is associated with land. And if you can actually build civilizations and underwater, it would just open, you know, huge, huge areas. So, so I wanted to go and be an engineer. So I went to Lehigh University for my master's and, and got a uh, master's in civil engineering structures. <clears throat> and uh, as I was finishing up my master's thesis, I met Miguel. And uh, I was on my way to go to University of Texas at Austin to get my PhD in civil engineering structures, but I was going to be working on concrete structures. And uh, so moved to uh, UT and uh, Miguel and I got married in December of 1993. So we're almost 30 years. And, we'll make uh, it, I think. 
we'll, we'll see how this podcast goes. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how the podcast goes. Oh, we, we have got like six weeks. Hopefully, we make it. Yes, thank you. So, so then, after I graduated, I I joined Exxon and I I, I achieved my goal. I I became a, a civil engineer in the offshore structures group of Exxon, and I was in that group until the merger with Mobile. And then I started going and I moved into the technology organization doing software and, and uh, software development and, and programming and was in that group, you know, taking various roles of, of you know, subject matter expert because of my role um, in the research organization, all the way to supervisory and manager positions. Ultimately, until I uh, became a business architect focused on business strategy and business um, roadmaps for the research organization. And uh, but, you know, as McGay and I were a young couple, you know, we had the, you know, we were getting a thousand dollars a month stipend for being at, at UT Austin. And so we're, you know, trying to balance bills. So I, I maintain an Excel spreadsheet of, OK, I can pay this bill today and oh, I'm going to sign up for the zero percent interest card and we'll transfer the balance over there and then we'll pay, you know, the minimum balance and, and six months. And then so I, I've been very involved in our finances for a long time, just trying to keep us, you know, above the, the waterline of, of the payments and our expenditures. Because when you're a young couple, you mm-hmm. know, all these things happen. And then when we moved to Houston to, uh, you know, you know, starting having more salary, but it doesn't make a difference because your expenses go up. So it's like, yeah. oh, we want to save for a house, down payment for a house. And oh, we need to furnish the house once we buy the house. And so constantly managing all those things. And at the same time, I also had a goal around my retirement, you know, how much I needed to save. And I had a spreadsheet and McGay hated the spreadsheet because I had her working <laughs> until age 74. And uh, that spreadsheet was, was in need of severe update. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I and, and that's seventy four years, right? Yeah, age of seventy four. <laughs> and then, but I, we were living to one hundred and four, so it, it was yeah. it was all good. And you know, I said, well, you know, we have to make sure that we have enough money to live to one hundred and four. And you know, I started figuring out, okay, what that number needs to be, and how much we needed to spend per year, and all those things. And, uh, you know, as I was getting older and working with Exxon, I started to get closer to my 55th birthday. I was about maybe two years away and I was looking at my spreadsheet and I was like, you know, we've done pretty well with Microsoft stock and with Exxon stock. And, you know, compounding interest has really done very well for us. You know, our kids went to in-state school. So, you know, the Mm -hmm. 529 plans were paying off. And I started looking at the number that I, you know, plan to have when I reached 74 and I'm like, we're pretty much there. Mm -hmm. So I started thinking, it was like, well, you know, I couldn't retire when I turned 55. And she's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) That's the truth. I hope you changed her number from 74 when you had that conversation. (laughs) So, so, so we, we talked about it and I was like, you know, I'd really like to think about retiring at 55. And, but I had two years of, of, you know, contemplating this and looking at numbers. And one of the nice things about Exxon is they have a pension plan. Right. And the pension plan is a guaranteed benefit of so much money per month. And that's mm-hmm. what they guarantee. And it's based on your salary, times your years of service, and all these things. But until you reach the age of 55, you only get 20% of that amount. 
And then the day you turn 55, you now get 75% of that total amount. Mm -hmm. And then every year after that, you get another 5%. And so at 100%, if you retire at age 60, you get 100% of that annuity for the rest of your life if you retire. Mm -hmm. The alternative is to use a lump sum. And the thing is that lump sum is tied back to, you know, a, a bundle of treasury notes at, you know, 10-year, 20-year, 30-year treasuries. And the interest rates at that time were really, really low two years before I was going to retire. You know, we had the pandemic and, you know, near zero interest rates. And that lumps, there was a lump sum number that was really, really big. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching that number. And then all of a sudden, the interest rates started rising. And they started rising more. And that big number started getting smaller and smaller and smaller. It got to the point where just before my birthday, the, the you know, the projections were that number was going to drop down to the point where I would be working for free if I didn't retire. Mm. Wow. What the amount of money I would lose by not taking the lump sum then was equivalent to working for free for for at least a year. And it, as interest rates continued to rise, probably a couple of years. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. it's like, this doesn't make sense. So we talked and says, I think it's time to pull the trigger. But the interesting thing was, is I'm talking to, you know, I'm a mentor to a lot of people at Exxon because of my role and the experience mm-hmm, I had. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are mystified by the whole Exxon Mobil retirement plan. It's like, okay, what do you get? You know, how's this number work? How, how did, you know, all these things. And it's very, very complicated. And you have a very short time window in order to get everything done and get it done right. And so, you know, you have the whole, you know, you have Exxon stock awards. Okay, well, how does that, how do you do, uh, uh, you know, all that transition? And how do you get out of the company 401k plan and migrate it over to IRA? So I was talking to a lot of people because I was well versed in a lot of these different investment vehicles. And we've talked to financial advisors and and all that. And I, I came to realize that, you know, one of the things that really, people don't know is finance. Mm-hmm. I mean, they might, they may know math, they may know politics, but they just don't really understand finance. And back when our kids were younger, I, I started investing them in UTMA accounts where we could gift money to them and they could invest in this. We would invest in the S&P 500 index fund. And we started, when I learned about it, they were about 11 and 13. So mm-hmm. it was a little bit late. Mm-hmm. But that compounding interest over time, they could do a down payment on a house by the right. time they turned 18. And when they turned 18, that, that money transferred to them. It was now in their brokerage account. And they could you know, buy Coca-Cola stock or Disney stock or mm-hmm. Southwest Airlines stock. And off they were, were going. And you know, one of the things when you're retirement, you're like, okay, what's going to be my next goal? I, I always had a goal throughout the life. It's like, okay, I want to have this much money when I was 74. I achieved that early. Fantastic. Okay, what's my next goal? And my next goal really came around, how can I make a difference in my community? How can I give back to my community and really share the learnings I've had? And one of the best groups I really thought about was children. Because Mm -hmm. if I could help children from you know, starting at age kindergarten and provide them with fa- foundations and fundamentals of financial literacy. So by the time they reach age 18, they're not going to get caught in the, you know, the payday loans or the, you know, 
pawn shops or the title loans and a lot of things that cause you to to get sucked into the a debt trap and i thought well you can't just give them the the knowledge because it's, it's something they need to apply you, they need some capital investment mm-hmm. capital to be able to do this and i thought about it i said well if i if we donated if i created a charity we donated 200 dollars per year and we got them to match it so they would have 400 dollars per year starting in kindergarten till the time they reach 18. they could have 12 between nine and fourteen thousand dollars in that account mm-hmm. with a six percent interest rate and you could put a down payment on a car for that and i thought I got to do this. This, mm-hmm. this, is, this would change the world if every child, every United States citizen, by the time they turned 18, could put a down payment on a car or use that money mm-hmm. and compound it until they reach 64. And, you know, they would have upwards of you know, $170,000. Yeah, yeah, especially when you're working with disadvantaged youth, because uh, having access to travel and transportation opens up a whole job, uh, job yeah. options that they wouldn't otherwise have. Exactly. <clears throat> and, and the other part was I, I was meeting with um, some other folks that were trying to do some startups, and she was dealing with with uh, foster kids. Mm-hmm. And when you think about foster kids, they have you know, once they reach 18, they're out of the foster care system and they're out on the street. Mm-hmm. And so she's trying to set up this um, where like halfway houses where, you know, the kids have a place to sleep and, you know, they can give them some supplemental training so that they can get jobs and all that. I'm like, these are the same kids, you know, you know them early on. By the time they reach 18, they would have dollars in their pocket too. Mm-hmm. That'd be that, would, that could change so many lives. So the, the idea is to start this small. So we're starting it here in, in Fort Bend County, Texas. But the idea is to grow this so that you could have chapters all, all around Texas and maybe all around the United States. That no child, no citizen of this country at the age of 18 should be poor. Right, right. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And and how do you get across the concept of compounding interest and also encourage these young people to delay spending? Because everyone really likes things in the now, especially when you don't have a lot and you finally have some money in your hands, right? Well, the interesting thing is psychologists have discovered that the saving, you know, being able to wait, the savings versus spending kind of switching kids happens between age of seven and 13. Mm. And I see knowledge, you know, the whole idea about compounding interest is probably too much for a kindergartner or fifth grader to really understand, but it's the knowledge, it's the compounding of the knowledge. So what we're planning to use is the, uh, we're working with uh, Chase Bank and they have, as well as the FDIC.gov, there's a money matters curriculum that goes from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade that covers age appropriate topics. So a kindergartner, you know, you give them a sheet of paper and it's like, okay, here's a quarter, put the quarter on top of the quarter symbol and take the nickel and put it on top of the nickel. Just understanding, you know, the different monetary pieces of currency. And then, oh yeah, let's try to add those up and, and tell how much is on the page and write that down. And, mm-hmm. and so you're, you're already introducing concepts of, of math and, and, currency, you know, separation of currency into into the different classes that, you know, 
is something that probably kids may not have, have experienced. Right, right. And it's great, and then, I, I would think, from your perspective to to attach yourself to a like organization with a mission who's scaling and reaching, right? And then you all slip slipstream into that and add additional support, uh, start to identify potential um, participants, right? Yeah, because, you know, I talked to, you know, other organizations and there's no organization that I was able to find that that does the three things we're trying to do. One is the financial literacy curriculum, which, you know, we can have a standardized curriculum, but also the do- the dollar for dollar matching in a UTMA account. I mean, the UTMA account is a custodial account. You put the money in. It doesn't come out until they reach age 18. Mm-hmm. And so for every dollar they put in, we'll match with the dollar. And if they don't have the money to put in for that, we can also do direct grants for that. But the idea is, is to, you know, if I give $100 to a kindergartner, that has a, you know, three, almost four times multiplier by the time they turn 18. It's huge. Right. And so I see using compounding dollars as having a huge lever and a benefit over giving today's benefit to today's need. You should use compounding benefits for for future needs. It makes so much more sense. It is. I think um, it is. It is remarkable to me the pairing of financial education with matching funds because uh, you can certainly give funds um, to um, disadvantaged youth at any stage, maybe to cover their college tuition or transportation cost or whatever it may be, or you can uh, offer financial education. But I think pairing the two with the hopes that um, the power of compounding interest is under understood and once they get that seed fund so to speak at the age of 18 uh, they use it in the best way possible um so one thing i'm thinking about and i think we are continually thinking about this is um it is a long-term investment into a kid and the family but that's what makes it powerful um so um but how do you um think about um making it stay because 12 13 years is a long time for a commitment yeah. sometimes um, to, for, for this child and the family to stay with the program. What are your thoughts on that? How to make it lasting? Well, the, I mean, our best bet is to try to make it as easy as possible for them to participate. So we're trying to keep, you know, this, you know, the gathering places where we're providing the training. So like our first training right now is scheduled for, we're going to go work at the Chase Bank in Stafford and, uh, over on Wilcrest, and they have a conference center there that holds, you know, 30 to 40 people. And so we'll have our first session there with kindergarten through second graders for the first hour from 11 till 12. And then from 12 to 1230, we'll have open session where they can sign up for Chase Banking accounts or UTMA accounts, and we'll put in our first grant so that they have, you know, the funds and we'll have paper forms they can fill out. And basically, we mail those in to Vanguard. We're working with Vanguard to create the UTMA accounts. And then once those accounts are established, we'll start populating it and funding the the S&P 500 index funds. And that money, they get monthly statements or quarterly statements that go to their house. And they see, oh, $33 went into my account. And now it's $37 because the S&P 500 went up. And that type of, of growth over time 
can can be you know self-fulfilling because they say oh we want to go back so we can get another 33 dollars and then you know go back again and again and you see that that you know it's not like winning the lottery it's not a one-time thing this is growing a tree step by step and it needs to be continually watered now certainly if the child and their family move to a different district you know the money that goes into there is still the child's. And so by the time they turn 18, yes, the money will compound. It won't be as large as, you know, nine to $14,000, but it will still be a, a fairly significant amount of money that at the age of 18, Vanguard sends them a letter, says, hey, you know, this, we need to transfer this account to your ownership. Um, and that, that money is theirs. But our goal is to keep them tied with us and also keep connected. The, the other thing that we're doing is we submitted an application to JP Morgan Chase to create online curriculum so that we'd have financial literacy from K through 12 online. So they could get the credit of attending one of the sessions by attending and doing the online sessions. And that way we could then continue to stay in touch with them even if they go outside the Fort Bend County area. Yeah. That's, uh, I think that... This is so expansive. I mean, it's, right. it's very modular. We have a very standard curriculum. We have a standard process. And you can see how this little molecule could expand and, and, you know, cover so much more. I think the partnerships um, are also going to be key um, to um, add credibility, visibility, scale, um, just like, uh, Christine, the work stuff that we do when you go to market. Uh, with an offering, right, of any kind, um, how you need to create that engine. Um, so um, shifting gears a little bit, um, I know, Brad, um, you have been spending a lot of time uh, putting up, uh, setting up this uh, foundation from scratch, uh, which is actually very different from uh, volunteering uh, within the context of an existing organization. Um, and you had a lot of learnings um, in the process. Uh, that may be interesting for our um, subscribers to hear um, as they may consider um, starting their own nonprofit for a cause that they deeply care about. What were some learnings and uh, insights that you have gained so far? So I actually documented the roadmap, but you know, for you know, the first step is is always to figure out and test your idea to see if it's if it's really going to be feasible. Um, there's a, uh, executive organization in a lot of major cities that, you know, you can bounce your, your nonprofit idea against them and see, Hey, is there something already out there that does exactly the same thing? And you just aren't aware of it. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes that 70% of the ideas that people come up with are already things that are existing. Um, the other part is you also have to test against the IRS. Um, 5013C criteria to, to try to test to see is my idea something that is going to be able to be recognized as a nonprofit idea. Mm -hmm. um, and to be honest, that was my my biggest first stumbling block area that I was concerned about was the idea of giving money to children that were donated by other people. Um, is that going to be considered charitable? Because you you can see normally it's like oh well you know giving food or giving clothing or giving all these other things, non-monetary contributions to children. But mm -hmm. the thing is, is that this fundamentally was something I, I was really concerned about. And so 
But the first step you have to do is create a corporation. Once you've established that you're going to do this, you need to establish a corporation in your state. And there's your state um, controller can tell you what that process is. But in Texas, you, know, you fill out a form. It's $25. And you have to name three people to be on your board of directors. And one of them has to be a non-family member. So on our board of directors, it was McGay, myself, and, and uh, a friend of uh, McGay's that um, used to work for Microsoft. And that was our, our core team. And then going through the process of submitting an application to the IRS. And each one of these steps, you're paying money out of your pocket. To, you know, I, I have zero donations. All of it is, is just out of my own pocket. So submitting a, a nonprofit stat, uh, status request to the IRS and filling out the form you know, they had like three hours of, of training videos to, so that you could fill out this form properly. Yeah, I've been there. I, I, I also put a not-for-profit together and just uh, felt the process firsthand. And it's a process. Nothing is fast. Nothing is expedient. Well, I, I was I was really impressed. I was scared by this 1023 form mm -hmm. that the IRS makes you fill out. But and people often hire a lawyer and it's like $5,000 to hire a lawyer to fill out this 1023 form, but they also have a 1023 EZ form. So if you're going to make less than $50,000 a year with your organization yeah. within the next three years, you can use that. And it's a $275 application fee. It mm -hmm. was like two pages. I didn't have to come up with a complicated financial statement and all these other things. And within three weeks, I got a letter from the IRS saying you're approved. Oh, wow. That was, like, that was, was fast. Like, Damn. That was way crazy. fast. I mean, they must work better in, in Texas than they do in Maryland. It took my six months. Oh, and they didn't no. request any more information. So I kept calling, kept calling. Yeah. So I guess results may vary. Yeah, results may vary. <laughs> but but then after that, I you then have to establish your corporate entity, your branding. Mm -hmm. So I had to create a website. So I signed up for Wix and created a Wix website, which was fantastic because I, I, I'm a technical person, but I'm not a web developer. <laughs> and it was just nice that they had all these, you know, pre-populated screens with images already. I'm like, wow, this is this is pretty cool. But I had to change all the words and make sure everything. But you also need, you know, what phone number am I going to use? What mm -hmm. physical address am I going to use? So I'm using my my personal physical address because I don't want to pay for an office. Mm -hmm. My goal is to make every dollar that we have donated go to the children awesome. and, and contribute. So any fee I have, you know, $200, I mean, that's that's two kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd yeah. rather have that money go to the kids wherever possible. Yeah. You know, and then creating business cards and printing business cards and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's, on it's, your, it, yeah, it, it's just, gonna, it's, yeah, go ahead, Christine. I was just going to ask on your site, can we donate already? It, is there, is there, you know, yeah. is there an opportunity to uh, sponsor a few kids on your site? Yeah. So on, on the site, so we're, we're called the UTMA all-star. So it's www.utma-all-stars.org. And on there, we have a listing to the, there's a uh, Zelle account that you can um, wire money for. Most bank banks have uh, Zelle. Mm -hmm. So you can use Zelle. Uh, we also support Venmo. We also support um, Fidelity Charitable. And we also support Vanguard Charitable. 
Um, so if you have accounts in any of those entries, uh, we also have a PO box. So if you want to mail a, um, a letter with a check saying, you know, hey, Brad, we really want to support your organization. It's PO box 19453 in Sugarland, Texas, 77496. And then, you know, we'll deposit the money in our Chase bank account. And then as we meet with the children in January, you know, every one of those dollars is going to go into those accounts. Now, awesome. the, the one thing, the one charge, you know, the one thing that we're working on right now is to get insurance. Uh, we are dealing with young children, uh, so we do need to make sure we have general liability because I wanted to get a venue to be able to, you know, have our first meeting. And they're like, oh, well, you need $3 million in liability. You need $100,000 in facilities. And, and it just kind mm -hmm. of skipped my head that, oh, yeah, we need we need insurance. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also need insurance to cover the board of directors, too. So that, you know, I'm right now trying to get a quote for a policy. I'm hoping it's, you know, in the range of $100 to $150 a month or something. But we'll, we'll find out. Um, mm -hmm. But part of that is you know, just the operations of the facility, you know, operations, you know, life uh, insurance. And, you know, if you want to rent a venue, you know, that's like $300 for two hours or three hours. Right. So, you know, but, but we're not, yeah. you know, we're not religiously affiliated. Our, our mm -hmm. goal is, you know, we're not doing uh, a means test to say, oh, you know, sorry, you're wearing, your mom's wearing Dolce Gabbani shoes or whatever. You know, it's, we're, but the intent is that every dollar that we're giving is going towards a needful group. And to be honest, in Fort Bend County, 50% of the children attending Fort Bend ISD are disadvantaged. 50%. Mm -hmm. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a rich opportunity for us to really make a difference. Right. Right. I just thinking about, you know, past experiences and running PTA events and school events, you know, one suggestion is maybe you just do it at the school. They usually have insurance riders for events. No, you can't do it. No, you have to, you have to show your insurance. They you have to show proof of insurance before you can get the facility. And then they charge you um, $175 an hour. Yeah. Yeah, that was no, one I mean, of the learnings hard. unexpected um, yeah. how much uh, uh, goes into because children are involved um, and uh, school is involved. The uh, insurance thresholds are mm -hmm. uh, quite high, uh, whether mm -hmm. it's one child or a thousand children. You have to go through the setup and infrastructure um, right. of this. So um, still in the process of uh, securing insurance and also partnering with um, institutions like Chase um, so that um, uh, there is partnership in that regard. It's amazing. Yeah. It, it's yeah. It's, it's a lot more complicated than um, than we think uh, would be the case. Right, right. Well, we, I mean, I was just suggesting if you hadn't looked at it, we would do an insurance rider for the event itself. Oh, I see. Okay. And the school would cover it. So we covered everything, you know, from the moon bounce, all of that. But it was like $300 for the event. But you didn't have to pay an ongoing policy. I, if I was just thinking if, you know, something yeah, to but, get but since, started. Since, but since we're dealing with money, Mm -hmm. And we are dealing with children and, you know, we, we do need to make sure we have yeah. the, the, the clearly. And, and the other part is, you know, having an agreement, you know, working and trying to identify a lawyer to help us build out a parental agreement to say, oh, this is what we're going to say. This is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what we expect you to do. And, you know, 
you know, the terms of how we do the matching and all that we're going to lay out for them. So nice. our goal is to have everything ready by January 20th, Saturday on, you know, the 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And we're going to just kick. And it's going to be awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. It's, a, it's a great mind. way to, yeah, it's a great way to start the new year. Uh, that's exactly. the kind of resolution we can rally behind. So um, as we wind down on our segment, I think we had a great conversation on UTMA All-Stars purpose, the joy and meaning, Brad, it is giving you in your um, post-corporate uh, America um, life. Um, so I think uh, for um, our subscribers, the follow and contribute to UTMA All-Stars, it's through the website website it's through the means that you um called out um so um i think uh, this may be a good time to transition to the final segment um of uh wrap up yes. what do you think christine i do i do we we could we had to take advantage of this opportunity so look, first uh, we wish you a ton of success with utma and there's a little bonus episode in this okay. session I wanted to know a little bit more about what life with Mugay is all about. Mm. <laughs> so for our, our listeners, Brad does not have a preview questions and, and none of them are too terrible at all. But I think uh, just to give that insider perspective, you live with Mugay, uh, obviously a strong partnership. But I want to know, you know, a little bit more about your perspective. And my first question is for you, Brad, is um, do you remember the moment where you understood that Muge was the full package? Beauty, looks, intelligence, <laughs> sense of humor, success. Please tell me a little bit about that moment in time. <laughs> Well, I, I I think you know, uh, basically when when McKay and I originally met at, at Lehigh, um, there's a, a a lunch that we were attending, and she was being introduced around the tables, and I, you know, was sitting at a table with my friends, and you know, she was being introduced, and and you know, as I as she moved on to the next table, my friends were elbowing me. It's like, you know, Brad, you know, she didn't look at anybody but you and I was like <laughs> ah. so then I I went on a um was trying to have a date with her but I couldn't find her name I mean Muguet <laughs> I, I just knew her first name and I'm like I couldn't find her in the in the book I'm like M-O-U-G-A-Y M-O-O-G-A-Y I mean I, I couldn't find and so I called a Turkish friend and he's like you know um there's some lady answered and she's like oh no he moved and and, and all that so i tried pro her professor and he's like i'm not a dating service and <laughs> you know um, i tried you know the administrator is like oh she just joined she's not yet on the payroll so we don't have her personal information yet and so we you know weeks are going by and, and finally somebody came out and said oh her name is mcgay m-u-g-e and this is her phone number and so i was like so i called and you know it was like nine o'clock and she was at the library she tells me and she was it was like the library yeah <laughs> hey, do you want to go do you want to go uh, you know and so we saw Bat batman as our first movie and and when we when i picked her up you know we're driving and talking and you know she told me about you know 
the hardship, you know, it was to, you know, the education system in Turkey, you know, how she was like top of her class and attending, you know, these, these rather challenging high schools and college um, curriculums and then coming over here with nothing and, you know, attending and getting her master's in business administration. I knew she was a keeper. I mean, she was, she was a driven person, but the other part was she liked me. She, she was a great listener and she was into me. And, and for me, that was, you know, just like peanut butter and jelly. I mean, it was, it was amazing. And so we were talking and, and driving and I actually lost track of time and we passed the movie theater and I had to turn around and, and come back. And Wait. when we went for a Chinese and we we're talking, she's, we're asking each other, it's like, what, you know, I told her the the story of how I tracked her down and I was like, yeah, I guess now it could be like, you know, stalking, but you know, at the time it was the only way to do things. You didn't have cell phones. You didn't have, you know, you just had a phone book to, to page through. And she's like, when did you call your Turkish friend? And I said, you know, such and such. She's like, oh, well, that was me that answered the phone. I took over his apartment. He moved out and I took over the apartment. So when I was calling my Turkish friend to, to find her, she was the one that answered the phone. <laughs> and you were just being coy, like, how hard is he going to work to find me? <laughs> I did not know that he was actually looking for me because he asked for the Turkish friend who lived in that apartment with oh. hopes that he would get my contact information through him. So when I answered the phone, I said, he's not here. I didn't know that he was looking for me. So uh, once this story came out to its fullest extent, um, uh, I am thinking, wow, this is incredible. He really wanted to see me and get to know me. Um, and um, it, this is very positive, um, besides the fact that I thought he was very handsome. Um, and um, uh, so... I'm like, he has, he's tenacious, he's determined, he's, uh, he's grit. And the other thing is, at the time we met, uh, Brad already committed to coming down to UT Austin for his doctoral degree in civil engineering. And I was quite uh, disappointed by that. And I thought, well, we just met for a couple months and now he's going to go to one of the biggest state schools with a lot of beautiful girls, I'm sure, in Texas. And how is that going to work? Um but, uh, you know, the long distance relationship we had for a year or so and how Brad showed up in that um, gave me additional um, confirmation that he was the one for me as I have been the one for him. So it was uh, uh, it's, it's just a uh, it's just a good thing to look back on and reflect as we approach our third year anniversary. So thank you for asking the question, Christine. Oh, yeah, that's a wonderful story. That's a wonderful story. And I could just imagine, I mean, just all the. Uh, the steps and the and even just figuring out how how Muge's name was spelled. I mean, my 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 mom was like, I'm here at my mom's in in Palm Beach. She's like, when am I going to meet Muge? <laughs> right. Never going to meet Muge. That's right. That's Muge. right. That's no, right. No, I mean, no, no. I, I learned that. That's a slapping offense. Sorry. Yeah, that's uh, that's just uh, always the case, right? How do you uh, how do you um, say it? And uh, the work it takes. Four letters, right? Uh, how it how it comes together. It's uh, right. it's amazing. The the other thing is, I asked this question to Brad a couple times. I said, you know, when we met. 
he didn't know anything about Turkey. Uh, I don't think he even had a passport at the time. Uh, I said, how did you um, keep in mind so open to, you know, get to know me and think of a relationship? Because people can be uh, skeptical, right? I don't know about this and different country, mm -hmm. different religion. And, you know, he said, um, you know, you came all the way here pretty much with a whole lot of nothing and um, and building a life for yourself. Um, and he said he thought um, he said he thought that was pretty special. Um, he said, you know, I, I thought that was pretty special. I didn't know much more than that at the moment uh, to make the call that um, I should get to know you. So I'm like, hmm, I am liking what I am hearing here. <laughs> yeah. but, but I did learn that she didn't know how to cook. Mm -hmm. I learned very early on because went up to her apartment for a coffee and and there's this big black spot on the linoleum on the on the countertop right next to the stove and I'm like what's that she's like well I was heating some water and I put it the pan there and you know, <laughs> I was just like okay and I went shopping with her and she's buying like premium orange juice and this you know pre you know premium milk and you know top line cereal I'm like no 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 you're living on a budget you've got to buy the frozen orange juice, you know, the powdered no, milk. No, no, Brad, no frozen cereal. orange juice. That's, that's <laughs> I don't, I don't, yeah, that's I don't like the taste of those things. So uh, I got the no. premium uh, Minute Maid oh. pulp thing, but um, she didn't early, have the money. Yeah. She didn't have the money to, to pay <laughs> for it. <laughs> I was, she she I was. had an Amex. She had an Amex card that di that didn't have a limit on it, and so she could keep. And she's paying the minimum on balance on the Amex card. So imagine what our first relationship was paying the bills off. We have a couple more questions. So maybe, maybe this is a good time to ask this one. Um, so now that you are retired, you have a little bit more time, although you're very involved in UTMA and that's going to take up um, considerable amount of your efforts. But I really need to know, you know, what's your go-to way of showing support for Muge while she's still working? And more importantly, like, how do you support this podcast? <laughs> well, I, in general, I try to be quiet during the day because she, she has various meetings that are happening and she can locate her office pretty much any place around the house. So she can be up in her study area. She can be over on the dining table. She could be at the counter. So I try to be, you know, conscious and, and recognize she may be on, you know, for, for the various mm -hmm. things. So, you know, just being courteous of, of, of time, uh, you know, sometimes make coffee, but my, my main goal is I get up early so I can go, I run three and a half miles around the lake. So I make sure she likes having a, a bright um, uh, environment. So I open up all the blinds and turn on the lights in the kitchen and start up the coffee maker. So it's, it's ready for, her. And, and, you know, there's little things that I know that, you know, can help streamline her day. And she just comes down and it's, it's bright and shiny and, and, Aww, it's and, very sweet. And, and things like that. So, so I, I, I try to do things like that and make sure the refrigerator has, you know, Premium orange juice. <laughs> well, we can afford it now, but we. But, but the thing is, is that we don't drink. We don't drink it because it's it's too many calories. And so yeah. you know we're we're yeah. watching our weight and and watching our uh, cholesterol intake and all these things. So, but the thing is, as you get older, you become much more conscious about what you're eating. And one of That's my true. goals when I retired was to lose 45 pounds. So I've I've 
lost 32 so far. And uh, so, but I'm goal driven. That's, you know, but yeah, just, but eating right and keeping track of all these things makes all, makes all the difference. Same thing with your finances. That's right. That's right. So here's, here's a little um, question that might require a little bit of creativity. So uh-huh. if you're, if your home life had a theme song that represents your, your life together, what would it be and why? Mm. it's hard i know so as brett as brett thinks about that keep thinking and you can tell i did not share any questions with (laughs) brett in advance because uh it had to be spontaneous um i will just say vivaldi's four seasons vivaldi's four seasons vivaldi's four seasons okay Okay. all right that's because I, i think every i think every household and every relationship goes through a full spectrum you know, you, you have the springtime, you have the summer, you have the fall and you have the winter. Uh-huh. And, and I, I think that is probably the most inclusive, you know, element of that. And, you know, we feel a great deal of joy when our boys are, are home from school and we're all together. You know, we, we, you know, with the Christmas, you know, with the holidays coming up, you know, feeling special and being able to decorate for Halloween and decorate for Thanksgiving and Christmas are all things that give us, you know, a great deal of joy and, and uh, all that. But, but it's, you know, it's not all, you know, sunshine and rainbows. I mean, right. You know, we, there's, there's tough times too. So we've, yeah. you know, we've, we get through those as well. And, and, uh, but it's, it's a four season relationship. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, 30 years is a testament that you don't have uh, sunshine and rainbows every single day of the year, right? But it's clear that you all um, are a brilliant pair and complement each other so well. We, we're planning to have my husband on here, and I was thinking what he might say for that question. And I think it might be like, rock the boat, don't rock the boat, baby. <laughs> don't tip the boat over. <laughs> Well, but but the, the other thing was you know, the first song that came to my head was George Thorogood, "Bad to the Bone." Oh, but, nice! That's a great tune. But that's just just one of my favorite songs. It just <laughs> popped in my head. And and when you asked that question, Christine, I'm thinking, what would Christine paint to go with that song? Because I know your abstract art is inspired by music. That's um, right. So what would the, what would you paint to go with that song? And uh, with the Four Seasons, which is an awesome masterpiece, um, what also comes to my mind is yes, uh, you know, our lives and uh, relationships, everything goes through transitions and seasons but how can we maximize the meaning joy and purpose in each season and uh, support one another which is kind of also the essence of our podcast uh, to a certain extent Um, and uh, you just have to be so intentional about it and and uh, Brad I appreciate you being my partner being on this podcast and I also want you to know that even the small things that you do uh, make a big difference so it is true when I come downstairs I see the bright sunlight pouring through the windows it brightens my day and I've got this little thing we always have uh, decorations to go with the season like Halloween we got a snow globe with a haunted house in it and it sparkles so when you plug it in you get extra light and motion and I love those things uh-huh. So, um, Brad, make sure to plug it in the morning. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's part of the uh, festive uh, theme. Uh, just like the seasons of our lives, we have uh, 
thematic decorations <laughs> that need to be turned on. One here shortly, but yeah, yeah, Christmas one will come out shortly. So because it's all about the sparkle, the joy, and uh, you know, putting a smile on your face. That's so nice. It's so nice. Well, I, I think to to wrap up, um, any other things to share with the audience? Uh, you're you're certainly goal driven. You have a wonderful vision for the UTMA uh, not for profit. Are there any other bucket list items that you're thinking about as you live your life in the best possible way, Brad? It was interesting because I, I was reading this article about um, what's the difference between being rich and wealthy. Mm-hmm. And the, the idea of being wealthy is is that you have the time to do the things that you need to and want to do, that you have the relationships that you want to have and, and need to have, that you have the physical health and stamina and, and aptitude that, you know, that you can be out there and be engaged with people and that you have the mental faculties and you're challenging your mind and, and, and being out there and, and making a difference and having a mission are, are key things to, to being wealthy. And you don't necessarily have to have a tremendous amount of money to be wealthy. It's, mm-hmm. it's just that, that whole sense of being and the whole sense. And that's, that's really what I, I hope to, to, to share is that, you know, your life is not your work. Your, your, your work is to help you build your life and that your family, your relationships and your missions and how you impact your community, all of those things are, are of, of tremendous value and, and that you're limiting yourself that if you see your, you know, you lose your job and, and your whole sense of worth just craters, you have to realize that your sense of wealth and your sense of self-purpose is really much more than that. Absolutely. That's that's a great way to close in the session. And it's a great reminder for everyone. So thank you for sharing that. And such a pleasure to meet you and spend this time with you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thank right. you. Till the next time. Thank you for listening. Our hope is to spark a little joy, inspire, and educate our listeners in ways to live an even more meaningful life. If you have reactions to share from what you've heard, please visit our website, refirement.life, to leave a voice message. You may even be featured in a future episode. To keep in touch, subscribe to our podcast, Refirement Life, using the podcast player of your choice. Always remember, you are never too old to set a new goal or to dream a new dream. Thanks again for joining us on this episode. Until next time.